0: Good morning. It's good to see you this morning. We're going to continue walking through the book of James, and we're jumping into chapter 3 here in just a few minutes, but this is also the first time uh, that I've gotten to talk to you since all the announcements of the past couple of weeks, and so I wanted to take just the first few minutes here, not, not super long, but to share uh, a few things with you that are on my heart in light of everything Michael and the elders have announced, both with Michael's transition to Oregon and then uh, me stepping into this role of leading and overseeing the teaching um, for friendship. And when Christy and I first, the very first Sunday we came four and a half years ago, um, you know, it was a really hard point in our life, in my life, and Michael found out we'd been here because we'd checked our kids into Children's Church that morning, and he called me that week, and he used this phrase. He said, uh, whether you're here for two weeks or two months or two years, that was how he said it, whether you're here for two weeks or two months or two years, um, I really want to walk with you, and, and I want to see restoration in your life. And, of course, two weeks, two months, two years has turned into four and a half years, um, but one of the things that that God has really taught me is continuing to teach me because I don't get it quickly um, is the idea of open hands, one day at a time, just to follow Jesus one day at a time, and to want Jesus more than I want answers, to want Jesus more than I want a plan, to want Jesus more than I want to know what's coming next, and so. I guess standing up here in a sense in response to everything you've heard of the past couple of weeks, I just want to use that same phrase and say whether it's two weeks, two months, two years, um, whatever God has planned for this next season for me and for us together, um, one of the main things that I wanted to say up front is that I know and I hope you know that only reason I would stand here is because everything you've ever heard about the gospel is true. Because God is a gracious God who redeems and restores and brings dead things to life. God is a God of second chances and third chances. God is a God of forgiveness. And uh, so I pulled just a few passages from the Apostle Paul from some of the different letters he wrote in the New Testament that he knew something about, hey, I've got a really bad public history that people saw <laughs> and, uh, and now here I am in ministry and, and I don't ever want to forget that apart from the grace of God, this is who, who I was and for me, I've got public scandal and public sin and public shame in my past and I don't wanna just move forward and act like I'm okay and everything's okay and that that I'm up here because I'm okay. I'm not up here because I'm okay. (laughs) I'm up here because Jesus is so good. And and that's why I don't wanna, the more that you know that that's true, the more amazing it is that he does this. And we see Paul saying that in each of these passages. So I just wanna walk through them real quickly with you and just say these are his words and I'm not Paul. I'm not an apostle. (laughs) But God has spoken to me in these. And I want to share them with you before we jump into James 3. This first one, Paul's writing to Timothy. This is probably 25 years after Paul was persecuting the church, 25 years after he's opposing Jesus. And just think about 25 years later, he's still like, don't ever forget who I am, who I was, because if you remember that, here's what you'll learn about Jesus. He says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the worst, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Paul's saying, as long as I don't let you forget and as long as I don't forget who I was and what I did and how awful I was in my opposition to Jesus, then you will always be able to look at me and how God has worked in my life since then and have this example of Jesus is that merciful. Jesus is that patient. And I hope, I do, I hope that you can look at me like, if Jesus can be patient with somebody like him, then you can say, Jesus can be patient with me. If Jesus shows mercy to somebody like him, then there's hope that Jesus shows mercy to me. If Jesus wasn't done with him, then Jesus is not done with me. This is in 1 Corinthians, Paul writes to him, he says, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am and his grace toward me was not in vain. And I hope you see it there that, he says, I'm not going to quit telling you about this. This is me. I'm the least. I'm unworthy because of the sin of my past, because of what I did. But the reason I want to keep telling you about this is because you have to see that to see this. Like, if you don't know this part, if we stop, if we pretend like it didn't happen, or if I sweep it under the rug, or if I, if I move on and act like, hey, I'm okay, and I don't want to talk about that anymore, and, and the, the past is the past. Let's just leave the past in the past. <laughs> Paul's like, if I do that, then you may think that I'm good enough. You may think that I deserve this. You may think I'm worthy. You may think I'm qualified. You may think it's because of all my religious training and I was a Pharisee and I knew the Old Testament so well and blah, blah, blah. blah. You may think that I should be doing this and you need to know I should not be doing this. Because when you know that I shouldn't be doing this, then grace is the explanation for why I am. When you know that I'm unworthy, then grace is the only explanation. When you know that I'm undeserving, grace is the only explanation. And I want you to know that this is true. That's what he's saying. It's by the grace of God that I am what I am. And I hope, like, if you don't ever hear a word that I say anytime that God has me stand up here, if you just look and you say, by the grace of God, like, if you see the grace of God every week, then that's redemption, is God redeeming my sin. Is God redeeming my failures. God redeeming my mistakes. Because it becomes a canvas where you get to see his grace. And his grace toward me was not in vain. And then this last one, this is in 2 Corinthians. Paul says, Such is the confidence that we have through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves, to claim anything as coming from us. He says that as many ways as he can in one verse right there. Not that we're sufficient in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency is from God, who has made us sufficient to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And four and a half years ago, under the letter of the law, I was guilty, I was condemned. Like Anything that the law would say about my sin and my heart is true. And there was so much death in my life in so many different areas. but the Spirit comes and gives life where there's death. Death comes through sin and then life comes through the Spirit and the resurrection power of Jesus. And so I do, when I stand up here and say, let's look at the Bible together, I want to stand with a a humility and a brokenness that says, not because of me and nothing in me. And I don't, I don't want to play the game that's easy to play where it's like I'll pretend that I'm this person that you can admire and look up to and will inspire you. And if you'll pretend along with me, then I'll pretend you're pretty good and pat you on the back and say things that make you feel good about who we are as a church. And we'll just play this game together and we'll all pretend we're okay. And we'll come in each week and we'll get our boost of self-esteem and we'll be happy and we'll go. I don't want to play that game because I'm not that person. Like I'm not okay apart from Jesus. And the truth is you're not okay apart from Jesus. And if Jesus lives in me at all, like if there's any love in me from Jesus to you, if I'm learning to love you at all, I can't love you well by us all just saying, hey, we're okay and everything's fine. Let's just do what we always do. We love each other well by saying, we need Jesus. Do you know how much you need Jesus? Let's remind each other of how much we need Jesus. And if me being broken in front of you helps you know that I need Jesus and helps you trust Jesus instead of trusting me, so be it. And so I do want to stand up here with an honest brokenness. But then also, simultaneously now, if it doesn't depend on me, if I'm too broken for you to depend on me, there's this new confidence that I get to have. (laughs) Because when it depended on me, (laughs) there's not a whole lot of confidence in that. I know where that road leads. (laughs) But if it's from him, (laughs) if this is his work, if this is his word and his spirit and his work and his people, I've got all the confidence in the world to stand up here and say, let's pray together and let's read the Bible together and let's ask God to work in our hearts together and let's ask God to teach us and change us and build his church and to do things that are beyond anything we would ask or imagine because of him, because that's what he does. If I were to stand up here in my own confidence, you would get what I can do, and it's not worth having. And I'm not just saying that it's not worth having. But if I stand up here in the confidence that comes from Him, and we encounter Him, and we pray to Him, and we're changed by Him, and it's His grace at work, and His grace is not in vain, then we get something worth having. We get what He gives. And so, whether it's two weeks, or two months, or two years, By the grace of God, that's my prayer of what it will be like. And if you want to pray that for me, I'd really appreciate it. Uh, Know that I'm praying for you, for us, um, and I am humbled, and I'm thankful, and I trust God with what this next season's supposed to be. And so, with that said, right now, we're going to move on to James 3. Um, I want to hear... What God's saying to you this morning, I'm going to run through this quickly and we'll revisit. We're going to talk to God, and we're going to ask him to speak and teach right now as only he can. We're going to encounter God in his word. I'll read James 3, and as I'm reading, I want you to be actively listening for what the Spirit prompts in your heart and your mind about what does this teach us about God, And James is a really practical book. You've heard it the past four weeks. And so it's easy to skip past this first question, but this is the foundational question. What does this teach us about God? And then, what does God teach us about us? And that one's probably a little bit easier to answer in James because it's more on the surface, but we want to do both of them. And then, examine your heart. We're going to ask, what's God saying to our hearts? How's he challenging us? How's he working in us? What's he teaching in a way that actually changes our hearts? And then we're going to pray again. And we'll spend a little more time on this at the end, um, because I want to see it in James 3, but we're going to pray, and we're going to ask God to do this work in us, and then to talk to others is that we would go and actually say, "This, this is what God's pouring into me. I want this to flow out of me today and this week, into other people, that it's not just, it's never just for me. It's never just about me, that he's doing this in me so that I will be part of his people in his world, making him known. And so we build that around text just as a way to study the Bible. Talk to God, encounter God in his word, examine your heart, talk to God and others. So right now, let's start up here at the top, and will you pray with me? Father, thank you for this time right now. And more than anything in the world, Father, we need to hear from you right now. So please speak to us and teach us by your Spirit, from your Word, as only you can. Open up the truth of your Word to us, and open us up to the truth of your Word. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right. Encounter God in His Word. James 3, as I read, be listening. What's this teach us about God? Who God is? What's this teach us about us? And right before I start reading, just so you know, there's never been a more perfectly God-ordained text for somebody to stand up and say, hey, we're going to teach this the very first Sunday that I'm supposed to step into this role as a teacher. Like, it's, I mean, I've laughed all week as I've worked through this. It. Like, God, you know what you're doing so well when you time things like this, um, And so there's some things I want to share with you that God's really hit my heart this week about. I'll do that at the end because I want to hear from you first. So just I don't want you to think I'm oblivious to this very first line. Here we go. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. (laughs) For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom." full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. All right, that's James 3. And James has a lot of hard things to say about our words. But what stands out to you this morning? Truths about God, and you're going to have to mine for them a little bit. And don't be afraid to connect it back to everything that Paul And Eric and Keith and Haley have shown us in the first two chapters the past two weeks. uh, Because that is context for all this. But what stands out to you? Who God is and who we are from James chapter 3. I know I talked for a while, but I'm stopping now. So it's your turn. All right. We are not perfect. A great truth about us to start with look right here. (laughs) All stumble in many ways. Not just that we're not perfect, we're not even close to perfect. What else? (laughs) <laughs> we have tamed everything in nature, but not our tongues. I'm going to revisit all this as we when we come back at the end, but I just want to say right here that these first two truths, we all stumble in many ways. And none of us control our tongues perfectly. I want you to know that when I stand up here. <laughs> like, I stand up here as someone who stumbles in many ways, and I stand up here as someone who will not speak perfectly. Like, I'll be wrong sometimes in the things I say. Incorrect. Or I'll speak out of the flesh. And, and one of the things that I hope in our relationship is both that with The elders, with a group of men, you know, a plurality of elders, that um, there's an accountability where when I'm wrong, they can help me see that I'm wrong, and then also with you, as far as our relationship in the church, you know, when Jesus talks in Matthew 18 that if I say something and you, you don't agree, and you especially if you think it's unbiblical, let's have a conversation about it. Help me see it. Like just come one on one, and if we talk and we can't get to a place where we agree. Bring a couple other people with you. Help me see it. And if we come to a place where you don't like it, but it's biblical, then it's still a good conversation because then I get to talk to your heart, right? But if we come to a place where what I've said is not biblical or, or it's a problem in my heart, I need you to show me that. And I'm going to be wrong sometimes, <laughs> maybe a whole lot. James is saying that. Um, and that's getting ahead into some of the things I'm going to talk about at the end, but it's, just, it's really been on my heart to say, if we believe the Bible, then we've got to get rid of this view if somebody stands up here perfectly and says everything exactly right all the time and everything they say is equal to what's said in the Bible. It's just not true. And evidently, the more we talk, the more we get ourselves in trouble. So I'm going to be quiet again let you all talk for a few more truths. What else you got? It seems right off that first line that we naturally as humans want to teach others and judge others through our words. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I'll connect that even to down here when he talks about what comes naturally to us. And, you know, and all this is in the context of people being teachers. We look at people who are in that position of authority and we're jealous. There's something in us. that Why do I have to submit to their teaching and their authority? And then we have this ambition of, I want to be the one who makes the plans and makes the announcements and makes the decisions. I want to be the one who leads. I want to be the one who tells people what they ought to do. There's something very natural in our flesh, not in the spirit, and this is is what James says about that, by the way. (laughs) It's from below, it's not from above. This is the natural, earthly, worldly way of doing things, and ultimately, it's demonic. And there's something different from above that God must give, but so naturally we are selfish, we are jealous, we want to teach and what sometimes, for some of us it just depends, some of us want the prestige, some of us want the authority, some of us want the power, some of us want the influence. We want to teach slash lead slash have authority for our own purposes. And I'll just jump ahead again to what I was going to say. I I find this as a real warning for me that it's just as possible for my heart to desire this for these reasons as anybody else's. And, uh, you know, when Michael tells the story about the very first Sunday that he came to friendship, having him pray for his replacement, there's something in that that I, that I want to make sure that we, that we honor that and we see the, the biblical godly wisdom in that um, and that we, we build on that. And I want to anticipate the moment when God raises up and calls out so many gifted teachers that it doesn't make sense for me to ever stand up here again. (laughs) That for the good of the church, I just need to sit down and be quiet and let them teach because of what he's doing in them. And I pray for that, and you can pray for that with me. And not just a replacement, but replacements. That he'd be multiplying Bible study groups and house churches and friendships all all over this community, all over the world. And part of me almost wants to say, I'll I'll just stand up here every week and I'll teach like this. (laughs) I'm ready to walk off. Just as soon as he says, um, I'm ready to walk on down. And just, I feel like that is the open hands approach because I don't want to come to a place where I would grab for me. where, Where I would find worth and value and identity in this is who I am and what I do. It's not. It's all in Jesus, and if he wants me up here, fine, but the moment he doesn't, that's really good, too, and I do believe, I do believe that he raises up, he gifts, and he calls, and he equips many members of his body for the good of the body. And I and I, I mean I'm not saying it this morning just because it sounds good. Like I anticipate the moment when it makes less and less sense for me to be up here, because there's so many more people that we need to hear from because of what he's saying. How he, and it's also why I would like for us to study this way together, so that we're hearing from what he's saying to you right now, and not just me. What else? Truths about us or truths about God? <laughs> um, it is offensive to God when we curse others and, and, or correct me if, if I'm wrong there but. yeah he, Adam said it's offensive to God when we curse others he told me to wordsmith it and I think like to make it even more pointed as a challenge to us I feel like James is implying cursing others is cursing God do you see that? He said, it makes no sense for you to praise God and then turn around and curse someone who's been made in God's image, right? Because now you're praising and cursing the same thing, <laughs> and it's the, the hypocrisy and the inconsistency of your words that reveals that you've got an impure heart. You know, in, in, pure means made up of one substance entirely. And so if my heart was pure, all that would flow out of me toward God all the time is praise and thanksgiving. But the fact that praise can flow out of me at one moment toward God and then at another moment cursing toward those who are made in God's image reveals that my heart is impure. And the impurity of my heart results in an inconsistency in my words and a hypocrisy in my life where the things that I say about God with my mouth aren't consistent with how I treat the people who've been made in his image. Do you see that in that section right there? And so very quickly, our words reveal our hearts, and they reveal that our hearts aren't nearly as pure toward God as sometimes we like to pretend with our religious words when we get together on Sunday mornings and we praise him and we thank him and we sing and we pray, and we feel real good about that. And then the rest of the week, the other stuff flows out of us and it reveals this is how you really feel towards God. What else? What else? So, so far, I'm not sure how many things you all have said, but I promise you, everything you've said is something that I had written down, and I love it when God does that, because it feels like, okay, God's really saying these things, but my last application I had for us today was social media, because the Bible, if we're understanding what it's saying right up here, this first verse, is saying, hey, we ought to be really, really careful about any of us stepping into a role of an authority where we're impacting and instructing other people with our words. Not many of you should become teachers. So the Bible says very few people should do this. Social media says everyone should do this. I mean, really, like these are two different messages. The Bible's saying this should be a very, very limited role. And social media is saying everyone has this voice. And I think for us two way, it is us, That I'll get to in a second as far as the way we teach. But also, who are the people that you're allowing to teach you through social media? Um, You know, just because somebody got famous designing, decorating houses or modeling clothes or selling oils um, and, and made a whole lot of money and built up a platform doing that, that doesn't mean when we talk about wisdom from below and wisdom from above down here in this section, that doesn't mean that they have any wisdom from above when it comes to social issues, political issues, religious issues, spiritual issues. No, it doesn't mean that they don't, the things that they say could be very true and biblical, but just the idea of, Hey, a lot of people follow this person, they post a lot. They say this over and over and over. Like the the frequency with which it's said or the number of people who say it doesn't have anything to do with whether or not it's true or whether the source is earthly or spiritual, whether it's from below or from above. And there's all sorts of people that we're allowing to take a position of teaching and they shape our thoughts and they shape our opinions and they shape our views. And biblically speaking, it doesn't seem like there's anything in that teaching that looks like this. The wisdom from above is pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. If the things that they are saying don't fit that description those things probably aren't coming from above from God and the really the hard thing is this is not the type of thing where you can follow the usual categories the simple us versus them categories that Michael was talking about the beginning that most of our country, like we default to this and so there's people on the left side of every social issue and political political issue and there's people on the right side of every social issue and political issue. I'm backwards for you. but And then there's moderates. And then there's the people who are checked out, like the jaded, cynical. I'm not, I'm not going to do anything with any of that. And I would just suggest to you that a large portion of the teaching that comes from this side, this side, straight down the middle, and the checked out people a large portion for all of them is wisdom from below. It's earthly and it's worldly, and it's what anyone would say or think if they came to it from natural conclusions drawn from the flesh. And so the problem is, if you really dislike this, you tend to run over to this and say, this is right. This can be, fr- this can be wiser than this, and both of them be from below. Right? Right? It can be wiser from below than this. That doesn't make it from above. And so the question comes, are you allowing the Word of God, are you allowing the Spirit of God to shape your mind, to change your heart, to inform your thinking, independently of all these voices? And are you just letting too many voices from the world into your head all the time? What, what, what's the ratio? And I'm not being legalistic about this. I'm not giving you a number. I'm just asking... What's the ratio of the amount of time that you hear voices from social media and the amount of time that you hear a voice, the voice of God from his word? Which one shapes your thinking? I think it's a huge thing. And then, and that's just the, the people that we're allowing to be an authority over us and teach us. Then the question becomes now, how presumptuous are you in the way that you speak on social media? Every time you have a thought, the world may not need to hear it. And, and just because, like, if you think that wasn't very kind, wasn't, you know, like, gentle or full of mercy, the truth is it's not even a thought a lot of times. It's like a th. Like, every time you have a th, we start... We don't ever get to a thought. Um... And, and it does say something about our hearts when we think, I need a platform for the world. <laughs> I mean, what does that really say about us? I thought this and everybody needs to know it. Like all these things that James is warning about in James 3, really seriously, look, that's in all of us all the time. Social media has just become, uh, it has revealed something, exposed something in us that lay dormant a lot of times before social media existed. And so that there's a good place for God to convict us this morning of our egocentrism, (laughs) our self-centeredness, where we think everything I think, my views, my opinions, I'm going to express myself. Here's the update on every second of my life. Is there a way for that to be redeemed in you where even your social media becomes about Jesus? And not, listen, not in a preachy, religious, annoying Pharisee way. I mean like in a genuine, this is who I am apart from Jesus and this is who Jesus is and more than you need to know anything else about me, you need to know him. What would that look like for us? All right, what else? A couple more things. uh, The application, what's God saying to your heart? Uh, What's he encouraging you about, convicting you about? Mm-hmm. So, if you're curious, sorry, I'm I'm preaching now, but if you're curious, if what you're about to post or say or whatever or think is is true wisdom, check to see if it demonstrates the fruit. Of the Spirit. Wisdom from above, and and by wisdom from above, obviously we're saying wisdom from God will demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm going to go ahead and pull out something that we've just implied the whole time we've all been talking right here. And that is, God, you want a great truth about God, God is the source of all true wisdom. Like, if you're speaking out of you, you're speaking out of this kind of stuff from below. This is why we've got to come together to to his word. And it's one of the reasons why I feel really a strong conviction about teaching this way even, that it would have less of the appearance, even though it's possible, by the way, to preach and and it be Bible-centered and from God and the Spirit be talking to it. But I don't want it to feel like I stood up here today and shared my thoughts with you. I, I don't want to teach you that way. I want us to come together and stand side by side and say we need God to teach us. God is the source of all of this. And can we, what, what is he saying to us together in his word today? And maybe, maybe he uses me to expand some of that and, and to talk a little longer about some of the things that he's saying to you. That's fine. But can we see clearly it came from his word and he's saying it this morning to his people? Um, yeah. Yeah. And think contextually what he's saying right here. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. And this whole thing, this whole chapter is about be careful about teaching and be really, really thoughtful about how any of you use your words. And he shifts from teachers, by the way, right here. No human being can tame the tongue. So he's not just talking about teachers anymore. He's talking to all of us. Like All of us use our words in really dangerous, deadly, evil ways, damaging ways. And then he comes down here and he says, so primarily what should you do? Be really quiet and meek and just show your wisdom. (laughs) Live it out. Except for the times when God puts you in a position where now it's clear, okay, I need to speak. I'm not telling you not to be bold and I'm not telling you not to teach with your words, but What we're saying is there's a lot of emphasis right here on, hey, you want a first way to get this right? Live it out before you say it. So back to this method for studying the Bible. I want you to see yet again, like this isn't something that that Michael came up with. This isn't something that I came up with. This isn't something that Michael and I collaborated on. The TEXT is a really helpful acronym to remember this, but the truths behind it, the principles behind it, I want you to see them in just this one chapter again today. like Why would we start by talking to God every single time? Well, first of all, because none of your teachers are reliable, (laughs) right? If you depend completely on whoever stands up here and not on God, then you're gonna get somebody who stumbles in lots of ways. And out of all the ways we stumble, what's the most common one of all? He's like, you you may get to where you can control all the rest of your behavior in your entire life and the hardest thing for you to control will be your tongue. And so every time somebody's teaching, they're running the risk of doing the hardest thing that a human being can do without sinning and stumbling in some way. And and if you elevate this person up to the level of, hey, we're dependent on them to give us truth from God, basically, it's just idolatry. (laughs) Because what you're saying is, I view this person in a way that I should only view Jesus. I'm expecting this person to do for me what only Jesus speaks perfectly. Only Jesus lives perfectly. When, when Michael says that Jesus is our lead pastor, like that's not just for the fun of, oh, that sounds good. The Bible says Jesus is the head of the church. Like He really is. Do we believe that? Do we really believe that this is his church? And One of the ways to ask right now in time of transition, I've I've gotten to ask myself this the past couple of weeks. Some of you, I would guess you've got a certain level of anxiety about Michael leaving. There's uncertainty, there's unknown. And if we were to tell you today, hey, Michael has prayed about this and he feels like he's supposed to stay. The certainty of that would give you a level of security and peace. In some ways, a good thing because we love Michael and we respect him. But my question is, Do you have more security and peace from knowing that Jesus is here right now than you would have from knowing that Michael was going to stay? He says, I am with you always to the very ends of the earth. Go and make disciples of all nations, wherever you go, anywhere, and I'm with you always. He's here right now, and this is his church, and he's not going anywhere. Some of you, bless your hearts for thinking this, but you've taken some level of peace in the fact that well, we know Andy, he's capable, and so he can step in and you know kind of hold the fort down until we figure out what we're gonna do, and so it'll be okay. Listen, don't, don't find peace and security in the fact that I'm here. Find peace and security in the fact that Jesus is here. And this is his church. He is the head of this church, he is the lead pastor. Of this church and it's one of the reasons for us to be structured in a biblical way of saying we've got a plurality of leaders we've got multiple elders because we're not going to pretend that any one man is able to be jesus that that role is taken and none of the rest of us can be that and we all stumble in many ways so nobody needs to be elevated to such a place where everything depends on him Like, because of who Jesus is, we need multiple leaders and not just one, because nobody can be Jesus. And because of who we are, as flawed, fallen, sinful human beings, we need multiple leaders and not just one. So that we can hold each other accountable, so we can speak into each other's lives. So that if I get up here and I get real off course with my words and I say things that aren't in the Bible or I say things out of my flesh, those other elders can come to me and say, hey, this was off and that they'd be an authority in my life, and all the way around, that we'd all the rest of us would be an authority in Keith's life, and the rest of us would be an authority in Les' life, and the rest of us would be an authority in Adam's life, and we would all be speaking in each other's lives, that we all in submission to Jesus. He is the head over all of us. And that if one of us is leading, not in submission to Jesus, that the other of us would speak into our lives and say that. And that if you see that in one of us, again, that you come to us one-on-one, and we have that conversation. Because it's Jesus' church and that's how he told us how to do it. So yeah, we talk to God because you don't want to depend on your teachers apart from God. And then secondly, down here, we talk to God because if anything that's not earthly, unspiritual, and demonic is going to come out of our mouths, where does it have to come from? From above. Like It isn't just, hey, this sound, pray first and let's tell people to pray first. Like what we do during this time will be pointless if he doesn't provide it. Like it has to come from above. We need him. We are dependent on him. If we are the source, you can come to church and you can get a really charismatic sermon. You can get a really informative sermon. You can get a really intellectual sermon. You can get a really entertaining sermon. You can get a sermon that works you up into an emotional frenzy. You can get all sorts of, you know, you can find a leader to do any of those things. You can find a speaker who's really polished, all that stuff, and it will be this if it just comes from a human being and not from God. And so that's why we say let's ask God to do what only he can do. And then let's encounter God in his word because you don't need to encounter me this morning or whoever else stands up here. You don't need my opinions. You don't need my views. You don't need my thoughts. We, you and me, need him. I need him to speak. I need him to teach. I need him to provide the type of stuff that only he can provide. I need him to say things about my heart that I wouldn't see if he didn't say it. And then we examine our heart because you see that even here in a chapter that's all about your words, it's not really just about your words. Why are your words a problem? Because your heart's a problem. <laughs> Always God's after your heart. Always. If you leave today and you take a vow of silence and you're like, hey, I just I can't get this thing right. I know I can't, so I'm just not gonna talk anymore. I'm not gonna tweet anymore. I'm not posting anything ever again. If you do that in your own strength, And out of just self-will and self-discipline, you never communicated again, your heart would still be rotten because you can't fix your heart. But he can. And so we come and we lay our hearts bare and we say, show us. Show me what's in me right now that you wanna change. Come and live in me by your spirit. Put a new heart, a soft heart, a spiritually responsive heart in me that loves you and trusts you and that actually wants to do the things that are like you change my heart by your spirit because only you can. And then that's why we come back and we pray again right here. We talk to God again, we say, you have to do this and we need you to do this. And then the last thing when we put into others is first of all, because we're always acknowledging that Jesus, when he says, go and make disciples, like this is the marching orders for all of us all the time. But even in this passage, when it talks about when God gives you wisdom from above, you think about the descriptions of this. I know I've marked all over them. Let me erase some of it just so we can see it a little more. Wisdom from above that's gonna guide your words in a certain way. Peaceable, gentle, full of mercy. Like each of those are clearly others directed. Right? Do you see that? The wisdom that he's giving you is so that you will interact with people in a certain way. Like the intentions that you'll reproduce this, with it's never just given to you to change you. It's given to you for you to share with others. And so the things that he gives to us today we don't grab, hold of I'm like, well, that's mine. I'm glad I got that from him. It's, who do you want me to share this with this week? Where do you want me to take this step where I'm not gonna presume to speak into their life? I'm not gonna presume, like all the pressure's off you. Do you get that? When he's like, hey, you're not qualified to be a teacher. Don't ever assume you should be. That's what he said at the beginning of the chapter. But I'll give from above what you need. So come to me and ask. Like, who will you sit down with this week? And say, I don't have the answers for you, but I know God does can I pray with you and can we read the Bible together and just see what God will say to us? You're not teaching them then in one sense, not in the arrogant, earthly, worldly, fleshly way. You're saying, I want to be taught by God with you. And if God wants to use me to help speak into your life, great. But it's a totally different position. And he does intend for you to do that this week. And so just, it was good for me again this week to say, this is a great way for us to approach the Bible in a way that honors what the Bible says about the way we should teach. I don't want to stand up here and assume I've got something to say to you. I don't want to act like I've got something that you need to hear because I don't. But he does. He does, and I want you to hear from him. I want to hear from him. I want us to hear from him together in his word. And that's where I want to end today is just this thought of, like, when you look at this, like, if, if we believe it, I mean, we can read it and not really believe it, but if we believe it, and this is, a, this is a dark picture for us, right? We all stumble in many ways. And then down here, no human being can tame the tongue. He's like, this is a huge problem for you, and by the way, you can't fix it. right? You stumble in a hundred different ways. First of all, do you believe that? <laughs> do you believe that about you? And do you believe that about your leaders? All right. You stumble in a hundred different ways. And out of those hundred, if you could somehow summon up the self-discipline and the self-will to get 99 of them right, the one you still won't get is right your tongue. That's what he says. By the way, you won't get the other 99 right either. But if you could, you won't get, your, and nobody can do anything about it. You stand condemned as someone who's full of restless evil and deadly poison. And you can't fix it. But there's one. There's one who deserved all blessing and all praise for all time. And he gave up the blessing and the praise that he deserves from every tongue on earth to come down and take your curse for you. He traded his blessing for your curse. He stood under the curse of God. He was hung on a tree. Cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. And then he let us walk in front of him and curse him when we should have been blessing And he took it all and he said, I'll take your curse from God and I'll take your curses from you and I'll pour out blessing on you. You wanna know why when it's so bleak a picture of humanity and of your teachers and your leaders in James three, why we have so much hope? Because Jesus isn't like us. We curse those that we should bless. He blessed those that he should have cursed. We don't give the blessing that we should give to God. God gave the blessing to us that he never should have given if it was based on what we deserved. And he promises that he's the head of his church. And that he is here now and always and that he is building his church and that he has done for us what we could never do for ourselves and that he will come and live in you. And this heart that is full of such evil and selfish ambition that it overflows with words of poison, he'll change it. He'll replace your heart of stone with his own heart. He'll replace your spirit with his spirit. And he will live in you and he will do for you what you could never do for yourself. And I hope you see your need for him today. I hope you see my need for him today. And I pray that together we can just keep looking to Jesus and keep trusting Jesus And keep following Jesus and keep thanking Jesus. That when we cursed him, he blessed us in his love and grace. That he took our curse for us. And he did away with it. Forever. And that now in the place where we deserve to die under a curse, he gives life and blessing and grace forever. We're gonna worship him for that right now in just a minute through song. Will you pray with me right now? Father, open our eyes spiritually to see you. work in our hearts right now to love you and trust you. This is your church and we trust you with it. Show us who we really are without you and I pray that we will be humbled before you and that out of that would grow true faith in you and you alone and not in ourselves and not in the wisdom that's from below and the ideas that we would have and the plans that we would make and the solutions that we would offer I pray we will die to that and that in its place you would bring to life the wisdom from above that it would be from you and it would be through you and it would be about you and it would be to you for your glory Make us into that type of people and that type of church. It's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen.